Gorbachev tear down this wall. A date which will live in infamy. I still have a dream. Good night and good luck. Good evening. It is the One American Podcast, and tonight I am honored and pleased to have the guest, Mike Collins, with us tonight. Mike Collins is going to be the next congressman representing uh, the District 10 of Georgia, and uh, I'm very excited to have him and very pleased that he agreed to come on the show. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Chase. Oh, it's my pleasure. I like your, uh, I like your logo on the back. I, uh, I did a little bit of research on you before you came on the show. And uh, I noticed that you, uh, uh, your kind of claim to fame is that you have 100 employees that are in Georgia and you, you started a trucking business. Is that right? We do. Uh, you know, my parents were in the trucking industry. We, uh, we started out, we hauled logs out of the woods. And, wow. uh, of course, I, I took over their business when I was 20 and saw that was not going to feed all of us. So my wife and I, we started our own trucking company. I think I was around 23, maybe 22, 23 years old. Wow. How'd you get your first 18 wheeler? Uh, believe it or not, that is a wild story. I had a, a person that I knew and, uh, he let me lease the truck and he said, as you can afford the payments, we'll swap it over. And, uh, another guy did the same thing with the trailer. And as I just kept building, they kept honoring that agreement. And, uh, it was nice. It was, it was a great way to get started. Um, I don't know why they did it, but, uh, regardless it, uh, it's been very, very, we've been very, very fortunate in what we've been able to do. I heard that there's uh, been a major shortage in uh, truckers. Is that, is, have you experienced any of that struggle? Yes, everybody's have. We, and, and that's been a, a, a struggle for a number of years. Uh, you, you, when you think about it, the, the a truck driver, you can't start that career until you're 21. Now, you, right. you graduate from high school at 18. You go to tech school at 18, get out at 19. But you st you're still not able to, to, to drive a truck until you're 21. So it kind of puts this at, at a very bad disadvantage. And then, uh, you know, you take last year, especially when COVID hit, um, the motoring public was fantastic. But the shippers and the consignees, you might take a load 11, 1200 miles and the shipper or the consignees closed because somebody had COVID. But they didn't call anybody. So you've got a driver that's sitting there. You don't know how long. So, you know, it, it, it got to where it was a frustration factor. And a lot of our drivers are older. A lot of your older drivers, 65 plus, they drive because they love it. It's who they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when the frustration set in, you know, they thought, well, you know, I've got a wife, kids, grandkids at home. I'll go home. And then uh, you throw into the mix the fact they closed the truck driving schools. And so you've just got a perfect storm. We can't hire you without two years experience. Even though I run, operate 115 trucks, we just can't hire you um, right. because of insurance. So we're in kind of a holding pattern. You know, we, I've got 20 trucks sitting out there on the fence. So um, is that a state law that, that drivers have to be 21 or is that a federal law? That's a federal law. You know, right. and, and, and some of them are changing. Uh, I see no problem with an 18-year-old driving. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm a unique situation. I started when I was 16, but the trucks are so much safer now than what they used mm -hmm. to be. Incredibly safe. You know, everything yeah. from collision mitigation to lane departure. 
It's a right. rollover. Safe system. for the driver, but if you get if you get ran by one of those, you're in trouble if you're in a Nissan Versa. <laughs> well, you know, you, you go back to that collision mitigation. It, it it actually, if you come up on a vehicle, it will slow that truck down tremendously. Yeah, yeah so, the artificial intelligence stuff. What yeah. what do you think about the um some of the work that Elon Musk has been doing in terms of the electronic uh, cyber truck that he sort of brought out a couple of years ago? You know, I wait and see, you know, yeah. I, I've always, I've always loved technology. Anything. Sure. We, 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 we run solar panels on our trucks now. Mm-hmm. So we, we run solar panels with a, a electric APU or auxiliary power unit to run the truck at nighttime. And uh, that's great. It works out great. So, you know, anything that, that makes it more technologically advanced, safer, more efficient, better f- for our drivers, for all of us to make more money. Then certainly I'll uh, I'll take a look at it. Got no problem with it. Well, I'm I'm all about the uh, green energy approach, but it seems to me that if we're if we're still making electricity with fossil fuels, then you know if you have an electric car, you're not exactly saving the environment. You're just you know burning coal to make the electricity, right? <laughs> you yeah you you know what my problem with it is. Um, you you've got the EPA, and this is through all bureaucracies. You know, I just know the the trucking side of it, but you could pull me out and you could put a plumber in, an electrician in, even a painter. It doesn't matter. They don't really know the industry, but yet they're able to regulate you and demand that you put everything on the equipment that they think that needs to be so that if, Chase, if you want to go up there and put your mouth on the muffler and breathe in the exhaust tomorrow, you'll be okay. I might. Now, I don't recommend it, but, but you'll be okay. But it doesn't make any sense at the expense that we did to get to that point. You know, you, you take, we had trucks that used to get eight, eight and a half miles of the gallon. Well, when they got through with us, we're back down to five, five and six miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the oil change intervals are so much more. So we got through a lot more oil and, and diesel to do what they want you to do, but they really don't understand the the total cost of what they're putting you through um you get a truck you, most of the trucks you see sitting on the side of the interstate they're derated and that means that the truck has shut itself down and most time it's because of some sensor instead of letting you be able to limp to the next you know truck stop or something so just it's just a lot of stuff it's called federal government interference and it's one of the biggest pet peeves i had regulations mm-hmm. And, and, and a, a federal government that is way too big, way too intrusive, and we need, to, we need to get them out of our lives. Yeah, it would have been a lot easier to prevent the expansion than it is to reverse it, I imagine. That's one of the concerns that I have. And I'm an optimistic person, just generally speaking, but you know, it's alarming how, like, how, do you, how do you untangle the, the unchecked nature of the intelligence community, right? I, I, I sometimes on my Twitter account, I, I call the intelligence community the unchecked fourth branch of government and that, you know, they're not really accountable to anybody. If, you know, if the FBI or the CIA breaks any law, they do an internal investigation, right? There's not like an external branch of government that really checks on them. I mean, technically Congress could do investigations, but with the top secret nature of these um, uh, intelligence communities, they, they can't even tell politicians uh, um, uh, secret information unless they have need to know or they specifically ask. And so I'm really concerned long-term about how some of these, the way that we've allowed our government to get so big, but particularly with the intelligence community, I'm concerned long-term with the, how that's going to play out in terms of the tyranny versus liberty kind of uh, dynamic. 
Oh, I think I think I just lost you. I, you muted for some reason. I'm not sure what happened. Okay, am I back on now? I can get you back. You're back. Right, hey, You're back. Hey, Chase. Okay, I, yes, I had had an echo in the background. I was trying to just trying to, to oh, gotcha. correct it there on my side. But um, it, you know, it's it's not just the law enforcement or the CIA or the FBI. Yeah, a lot sure. of that needs to be looked at. You take a look at what's happened to Trump over the yeah. past four years. Now, if, if people don't think that we need to really look to see what's going on in our federal government just from that standpoint, then they're not really paying attention. But right. it's in all bureaucracy. And the, the problem is that they're not accountable. You know, you, you take you take a lot of the and, and this is not with the CIA or the FBI, but you take with the the regulations and the bureaucrats and, and the fact that they've been trying to pass this RAINS Act uh, and, and it's still in Congress today, just so that Congress has the power to either say yay or nay over a regulation that's over a certain cost. And, and the fact that they should be able to bring those regulations in every so often and say, hey, we need do we still need this regulation? Because without that, there is absolutely no check and balance on, on those people up there. Yeah, well, and I think that the original intention of the structure of government was that the states would kind of hash out the specifics and the federal government was sort of, you know, provide for the common defense, make sure no states are violating, you know, individual rights uh, like we see in the Bill of Rights. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those things where over time, it seems that the federal government has garnered more and more power. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, how dependent the states are financially on contracts and grants from the federal government. So there's sort of yeah, that leverage you, there. You know, you, well, let's let's take let's break it. Two things. You, you take the bill that just got passed with H.R. 4 in there. Now, now you've got a federal government that is going to take over the elections, right? In, in every state. Now, that's not which is explicitly unconstitutional. It's, an, it's explicitly Amen, unconstitutional, brother. right? Yes, but but it's a systematic approach, and it's been this way for a long time. You know, you you go back as far as any social program you can think of, even the social net programs that were. Uh, basically set up as a safety net, be it right. Social Security or Medicaid, and how over the years the government has gotten you into a dependency, whether you're older. And, and, and every time something happens with Social Security, man, they're, they're, they're right there on top of it. And, and they paid into the system. Don't get me wrong. They, they deserve their money. Sure. But that's part of the dependency that the government has systematically processed and put us through to where you take your faith and, and, and everything that guides you off of God and, and then you move it right over to government. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you could go right on down the line. Uh, you take the, the, the middle class or, or middle-aged people and there's Obamacare, health care. Let the government take care of it for you. And now we are on the children with CRT the the mask mandates to make you conform to where they to where everything that they're going to start doing these children they want them to say what does the government think that I need to do? Have you seen the numbers on uh, how many children under the age of eighteen uh, have actually died of COVID this whole pandemic? No, I haven't seen it. It's only about three hundred and sixty. And I knew I thought I it was less than four hundred. Yeah, and 
if you look at the numbers of children without COVID who died of pneumonia, it's over double that. So if if you're if you're advocating for for masking children to save them from COVID, then you should have already been mandating before COVID to protect them from pneumonia. It's sort of this weird inconsistency yeah. going on. Right, right. So there's I don't so know. Why. It's just very bizarre. That makes sense. There, there's so much. Uh, I, I hate to use the word stupidity. But right. you almost wonder, what do they really think we are? How, do they think we're that crazy? That we're that that stupid? That right. uh, I can't and, figure and, out and if they I, believe it or if they're just use if they're just lying. That's what I can't figure out. Do they actually think that masks are going to save kids? Is that what's going on? I, I think that I, I don't even think they care about the mask. I, I think that it is just a point to where, and people get to that point to where they just say, "Man, okay, hands up, forget it." Whatever, whatever you want me to do, just leave me alone. Just tell me what you want and then leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And and that's where they want you. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it really doesn't have anything to do about masks. Um, I, I am totally against these mask mandates. I'm totally against the vaccine mandate. I, if, if it helps right. you, go see your doctor. Y'all discuss it. Not the government. That's just another right. part of this, this whole process. So... I, and I tell you what, Chase. If so, did you decide been, to get the vaccine? No, I've not got. I I actually contracted COVID uh, December thirty first, so I got to bring in the oh, new wow. year, New Year's Eve, and, and quarantined. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was actually how was it? Watching. Uh, there was probably two or three days that were a little bit. I know I made some phone calls uh, that I don't remember, and I was really? I would drive so my vehicle. I drive. No, I never, I never had a fever. I, I knew I had it when I lost my sense of smell and taste. But I would drive my truck to my office and sit out in the parking lot and uh, and make all my phone calls and watch what's going on and see what was going on. But uh, but uh, it was it. I, I was fortunate. I didn't have anything bad happen. But uh, I feel like I still got the antibodies. So yeah. you know, I, I haven't even checked out on getting uh, getting the vaccine. I'm glad no, they approved a, it. It was one of those those things that I think is really interesting, and I can't I can't get to the bottom of it. Is that you know one of the, one of Trump's greatest accomplishments was being able to get a vaccine for 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 this illness in record time, right within a year. And it was you know it was really a Trump thing with uh, with warp speed. And it's I don't understand why it totally flipped, and you see sort of like a lot of uh, hesitance and reluctance from the right to actually take the vaccine and you see the left really pushing it. And it's like, I yeah. never imagined that I would see the left pushing something that Trump did. <laughs> you know, it, it is kind of, it, it is kind of strange, but, but you know, and, and I, and all honesty, I had a good friend of mine. He had, he got COVID probably two weeks before I did. And so he went and got the vaccine back in March or April, but he has had tremendous headaches. And that's what I had while I had COVID. Mm-hmm. Man, I had headaches like you wouldn't believe. And so he, he had headaches so bad after he took the vaccine that they have, they have not figured out yet why he cannot get rid of. And so there's, wow. that, that's the reluctance that I've had. Uh, mm-hmm. Just thinking that, well, maybe he still had the antibodies. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But uh, right. when I decide to really take a hard look at it, then I'll go to my doctor and see what, uh, see what we need to do. But uh, so, you know, um, that, to me, that's still a personal decision. So you ran um, in 2014 for the first time. Is that right? I did. I did. What made you decide to do that? I saw that we need business people in Washington. 
and 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 it to me i thought that it was a good time for me to step up and run um i've never run for office before i've never been in elected office and and came pretty doggone close to winning that election no half a point uh, uh, it was well, I lost by 4,500 votes at the end of the day in the runoff. Uh, the primary, uh, we were pretty much tied and, right. and but I was running against, I was running against a, uh, second time candidate, uh, Congressman Heiss had run before he's mm -hmm. the pastor of a fairly large church, probably three to 4,000 people. And so, you know, I had a, I knew I had a little bit of a hill to climb. But uh, anybody that's ever worked around me or, or worked on our team knows that, uh, man, we run night and day. We run wide open. And so we, we, I really thought that I was going to take that election last time. But, uh, you know, uh, it didn't. It turned out it's probably the right decision that I didn't win. You know, you look back hindsight and it's always 2020. I got to, uh, you know, I got to spend five good years with my dad before he passed away. And I, I wouldn't have got to be able to do that. And I know that's Sorry you not, lost your dad. Yeah, it was about two and a half years ago. So, uh, you know, he was he was he was one of my biggest mentors and uh, mm -hmm. and I learned a lot from him, you know, and, and that's OK. We'll see him again one day. But uh, but this time around, I am telling you, Chase, I'm not coming in second place again. Uh, yeah, we'll do what it takes to win. Uh, we've got the right message, and and especially after Donald Trump four years showing that a business person, an outsider, mm -hmm. and what he was able to do, and the whole time, just think, the whole time, four years, he, they had his head underwater trying to drown him to death, and look at what he was able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Man, if he'd have, if he'd have had, if we wouldn't have had Paul Ryan as the Speaker of the House, just yeah. think of what we could have done. So yeah. this time around, I think people, I, Chase, everywhere we go, and I would say for the last two weeks, everywhere I've spoke, we've had standing room only. 30% of the people in these meetings, especially these monthly meetings we go to, are brand new. They have, mm -hmm. they, they've never participated. They've never been to a meeting. They may have started in January, February, or they may have just came in that night. And every one of them had the same meshes. I have no idea what to do. I've never been here before, but I'm here because we got to do something. And that's, what's incredible. And that's sweet. What do you think about the, um, what do you think about the state of the Republican party? You know, I, I I've been um, a Republican voter for my entire adult life. I'm 30 now, but I'm feeling somewhat disenfranchised with the party, not because my views on policy have changed, but because I feel like, um, a lot of the existing leadership within the party is sort of coasting. And um, I don't know if that's a sentiment that you share or if that's something that you hear, but I, you know, I feel concerned that there's not the hustle that, that is needed in order to beat the Democrats because, you know, as much as I despise them, they know how to win. You know, you're right on, you're, you're right on the money. But, and, and the reason is, is that, most of these people up here for or go up there for a career, mm. and, and, but there's a good group now. The 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 Freedom Caucus guys and, and ladies, mm. now they're they're hustling. Yeah, you know you you you've got those political prisoners from January 6th. You've seen them there. They're trying to yep. to get them to a trial. They're out there pushing, trying to make sure everybody understands how we're getting messed over with this 
budget resolution in this infrastructure bill. But you're right. You've got a number of them up there. You've got a lot of Republicans that like to spend your money just like Democrats. Sure. And and you're going to if you, if you go to Washington today, you better be willing to fight the people on the left, the wacko liberal leftist. But mm-hmm. you better be willing to fight those rhinos and those establishment people. Yeah, I noticed that in your uh, campaign ad. It's rhino season too. <laughs> it <laughs> whoever is. Did the, whoever wrote that? Um, whoever wrote that? Uh, um, ad did a really good job. Well, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I can't take credit for writing it, but that's been our message the entire right. time. Um, and 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 the red truck you see is my campaign truck in there. That's an 06 Peterbilt extended hood. So uh, she's going to go out on the road with us as soon as we manual or automatic. <laughs> oh no, man, that's a manual there. It's got 13 speed in it. <laughs> you know, that's what? awesome. I, we we have a lot of automatics now. Uh, no kidding, but, I had no uh, idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I would say probably 75 percent, 80 percent of our fleet now is automatic trucks. But uh, so with this government spending thing, you know, I, I used to get bothered about it because I'm a big capitalist guy. I read a lot of Milton Friedman growing up, a lot of Ayn Rand, and you know, I used to be concerned because it's like, hey, they're they're spending my money, but you know, as I've looked into it, and I could be misguided, but as I've looked into it, it's not even really the spending that's the problem. It's the fact that they have to sell bonds in order to pay for it. And it seems like the inflation that comes from the spending is what's really hurting poor and middle-class people disproportionately and sort of kind of making the political class richer because if you have your money in the market, inflation, you know, grows your, your, your portfolio value. But if you're too poor to put money in the market because you're a paycheck-to-paycheck person, then inflation's you know, really detrimental because every dollar you have loses value. Well, you, and, and, you know, you, you younger crowd, uh, <laughs> and, and I've been, I've been in it since 2017. I think that's why there's such an interest in crypto. Yeah. It, it's such a hedge against inflation and yeah. it has nothing to do with the dollar, but that's a different story. I mean, but, but I think that's why there's such a push from younger people to go towards cryptocurrency. Sure. But, uh, you talk about just bonds are selling off our debt and you look at who has our debt. You know, the, the number one country that hates the United States the most is China. You know, and I hate to refer back to Trump, but that's what he always said. He just would say China. Look at what they're doing now. And, and, and I, I'm, you may have heard of it by now, but I read it a week ago where China close down the world's third largest port. So all your cheap Chinese crap that you buy for Christmas is not going to come because of one coronavirus. They found one coronavirus. Hmm. That tells me that they really aren't interested in the economic side of it. What they're interested in is breaking you. Mm -hmm. They're sitting there saying, we've got control over every bit of your economy. And yep. we've got to get that back. We've, and and yep. we've got to do that in a couple of different ways. And getting that debt down is one of the most important ways that we can do that. We have, you've got people up there that don't understand debt and credit. They, they run that place off the seat of their britches with an open checkbook. And anybody in business understands that won't do nothing but get you, you'll, you'll go broke pretty darn quick. Yeah, and I think one of the things that people don't understand about China is that 
they're, it's a communist dictatorship. And yes, they use capitalism in order to gain revenue and profit, but it's really a communism at its heart. And what that means is none of the officials in leadership are accountable to constituents. They're only accountable to who's it's, it's a top down system, not a bottom up system like democracy. Right? And so when you see things like what happened in between 1958 and 1962 in China, that was the great leap forward when Mao uh, moved, tried to move all the agricultural um, workers into the cities to industrialize China and make it this tech hub. And what ended up happening was they had tremendous famine for four years because nobody was farming and harvesting food. And um, they, you know, there's some studies that, sh- that say that you know, up to 100 million people starved to death in that four-year period. And so people don't understand that you know, something like that would never happen in the United States because there's bottom-up accountability and the people, you, everyone would lose the power. But in China, they don't care about the pain that the people feel. So they're willing to do things like, you know, make people suffer financially or make people get sick, you know, because of a, a, like a bioweapon. You know, I'm not saying that COVID's a bioweapon mm-hmm. for sure, but, 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 my, but my point still stands that they don't care how much it hurts their people to hurt us. Like we sort of kind of had this like, hey, you know, they're never going to do anything to us because they need us just as much as we need them. But that's not really true <laughs> uh, because no, they don't they no. don't care about the pain that the people feel from economic strife. You know, Newt Gingrich said it best. And he said this over 10 years ago. He said that the Chinese are beating our socks off in math and science. And if, uh, if the United States doesn't get their act together, we're going to be in a world of hurt. Well, now let's mm-hmm. fast forward. What has been going on with these H-1 visas? They've been bringing the Chinese in because corporations can't find anybody to help them produce their products. Mm -hmm. So they bring these people in and then what, six months, a year later, all of a sudden, they're gone. They're back in China. They're not just back in China. They're back in China producing your product. And, And then you're sitting over here producing your product with all of these regulations that are some of them are not worth paper to written on, but you're having to, you're, you're at a disadvantage already. And, and now you have people that say, well, I just want to buy the cheap stuff. And, and there is a national security there because well, just look at it, look at what's going on today with China and, and mm-hmm. the fact that, that, that they're not, that they've got those container ships over there sitting there and they're not loading them. And then what, two days ago, they closed down the, uh, the airport there at Shanghai with the air cargo. So do you think you've got a few empty shelves now and you think inflation's bad now? It's coming. So are you, are you familiar with uh, Eric Weinstein at all or, or Brett Weinstein, the Weinstein brothers? I've it's okay if you're not. Their, yeah, I, I've, I've heard their name, but I don't, I don't know anything so about it. So Brett Weinstein is a, an evolutionary biologist, and he came to prominence because he was involved in that Evergreen State University um, uh, controversy or a number of years ago, they had a day on campus where they said, listen, if you're white, don't come on campus. This is like a solidarity day for minorities. So, and, and he showed up anyway, because he's like, that's racist. And so there's a video of him that went viral, and that's how he kind of came to prominence. His brother, Eric, works for Teal Capital in a, uh, in a very high capacity. Brilliant physicist, brilliant mathematician. And he believes that what really happened with the, um, the H-1 visas... Uh, is that not that the corporations actually needed the engineers. He believes that those, those, those needs were exaggerated 
um, so that the so that the universities could get the free labor from the foreign students coming over. And so I don't I don't know if that's I don't know if it's true or not, but he's and he can mm-hmm. he can frame it in a much more sophisticated manner than, than I. But if you're you know an ambitious head of an engineering department at MIT and you're trying to accomplish these studies and you're trying to um, you know kind of be groundbreaking and you can have you know a whole uh, team of ten foreign students helping you with the research and doing all the work for free that maybe Americans wouldn't uh, just because of the cultural differences or whatever. He claims that that was actually an effort for us to import free labor for research. And then we just sent it back, and it ended up being a national security crisis. But I mean, think about it. How many how many engineers graduate and can't find a job? You know, it's like is there really a shortage of engineers in the United States, or is, or you know, yeah. Either way, we're in the same position. Yes, right right. now. You're right. So there there is so much going on in DC. Yeah, it's it's so much happening at at one time that you find yourself talking in four and five different directions, just trying to keep up with what's going on up there during the day. Now, the, these last two bills that just got passed through the house, boy, I tell you, we need to, I encourage everybody. I encourage all your listeners. They need to be on the Senate. You need to be mm-hmm. calling a Senator. I don't care if it's your Senator or any Senator. They need to understand that the American people are awake we're not woke. We are awake. Mm-hmm. And the day of reckoning is coming soon. I, I believe, Chase, I'm telling you, I believe that there is going to be such a huge red wave coming in this midterm elections. Now, y'all are going to pick up two seats in, mm-hmm. in Congress because mm-hmm. California is giving them to you. So that's going to be net yep. there. That's going to be, and, then, and then you pull one out of New York, put it in Florida. We, can t- we will take the House. It's just a matter of how much we're going to take. I think it's going to be huge. And, and there's going to be a day of reckoning coming. And the Republicans in the Senate need to understand that. Because we've got some over there they need to be looked at. They need to go. Yeah. Yeah, you got to clean your own house, mm-hmm. too. It's, you know, it's not just about the left. So, you know, I want to ask you, and if, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it yet, that's fine. But what are, what are your thoughts uh, as far as cryptocurrency? Because I know there's a lot of concern. I'm someone who's invested in cryptocurrency fairly uh, heavily. There's a lot of concern about regulation <laughs> on, on crypto. Uh, do, what are your, what's your position on it? And it's okay if you don't have one yet because it's a complicated well, I, thing. I, I've, my two sons are 28, so they're, they're mm-hmm. fairly close to you. And uh, they introduced me to cryptocurrency in 2017. That was so a good time to get in. I've, I've been <laughs> fooling around with it for a while. You know, I Congratulations. Used to use I used to use Binance when it was in Korea until we got forced out by the United States. Uh, yeah. So they, the, the, the funny thing is you, you look at a lot of what the, the feds say about cryptocurrency, and they really don't understand it, but yet they're wanting to regulate it, but they don't know what to do or how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um but it's to me, it's a it's a group of people that do software and they don't want to be paid in any monetary system that's out there in anybody's currency. And so that that's why they use the digital currency that they use. Sorry, you can't pick it up. And for all those people that think that hackers are able to, to ransom you with the bitcoins and all that transactions are public you can see right. it out there it's what's called the blockchain what you can't see is the password to get it out there right and so it's it's not a complicated system it's just people that do 
that do software work and are building these programs and they just want to get paid in a different form. It's almost a form of bartering. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure, I mean, I, I, I love it. I, you know, I, I enjoy it. I've got, you know, I've been invested in it for a while. That's great, man. So what's it like running in, obviously it's the beginning of the campaign season, but what's, what's it been like running so far? I mean, how, how do you, how do you convince your family to agree to go through that? <laughs> you, you know what? So the, the, the neat thing is you take seven years ago, I had two sons. We've got twins. They were in college. My daughter has, was just turned, had just turned 16. So it was kind of uh, my wife stayed at home a lot. And uh, so now fast forward seven years, my two sons are married. I got three grandkids. And, uh, and two years ago, I divided up all my job duties. So as of about a year and a half ago, they've been running the place. They run our day-to-day operations. And our daughter has graduated from college. Thank the good Lord. And, uh, you know, it's just a fantastic time. I'm able to take my wife with me everywhere we go, you know, and, uh, she, she's a big plus. I, I know we were at a, we were at a fundraiser about a month ago. And I had four or five people around me. I looked across the room. She's got like 10 over around her. Sounds like you picked a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's got her opinion. Better watch out. She might run uh, against you. Hey, I tell you what, man, step aside. (laughs) But uh, we, we just don't do anything halfway. You know, it's, it's either we're running wide open or we're sleeping, you know, and, and, and then we're ready to get up and go again the next day. And so whether there's nine months with their, which there actually is left in this election, or there was two weeks, we're going to run it the same way. And that's, we're going to do everything we can to get our message out, to let people know whether you're in this district, what we stand for. If you're not in a district, the opportunities that we have in this country to set this country on the right path in a midterm election and be ready for Trump when he comes back in 2024. Could you imagine the success and the way we could get this country back on path with him in the White House and with a true Republican majority in the House and the Senate of good, true Republicans? Right. And you've got some there now, but boy, they need they need some help. And we need to add to the fold. And we're going to do your favorite. That. Who's your favorite uh, Republican in, in the House or Senate? Oh, Mitch boy. McConnell. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, a lot. She may she may get mad at me about this, but a lot of people compared my comments and the way I talk to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to vote for Kevin McCarthy. And, and if that costs me a com- committee assignment, so be it. Uh, you know, I'll put it this way. I honestly believe that the fundamental process of Congress will be changed because so many people looked at it from a um, got to have this committee, got to have that committee. You know, I want to be on the subcommittee of the dinosaur bones or whatever, right. you know? And I think people like Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene are showing that, no, that's not really the way you have to do this and you can be more effective um, but, but, you know, you take a number of them, uh, Andy Biggs or, 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 or Banks or Jordan or Gates, you know, they all have different roles, 
Um, I had breakfast with Congressman uh, Kat Kamak last week. You know, they, they all have their different roles, but they're all good at what they do. And, and, I, and, and any number of those people would be good people to follow and latch on to. Do you think Gates is guilty of those allegations against him? That's a that's a tough no question idea. to answer as somebody running for I mean, office. I, I, so. I'm not trying I mean, to put you on the spot, but no, but I will. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. I, but I, yeah. but I will say this with a heavy dose of skepticism: if you're in Congress today and you're effective, look at what they said about Jim Jordan. You're a target, and, and you're effective. You're right. You're a target. And you're a target from everybody up there that wants to get rid of you because you are rocking the boat. Mm-hmm. And they don't want that. So, you know, uh, until, until you show me proof, then, then, then uh, you know, I, I, I put it over in National Choir. Yeah, I'm with you there. So what's the first thing you're going to do when you get into office? You know, well, the first thing you do is going to vote for Speaker of the House. But uh, what I tell people is you take a look at this crazy budget resolution that just came out today. Everything was increased from your personal income tax all the way up to a state tax. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to have to do is take a hard look at everything that they have done and then start passing bills to get rid of that and push this stuff back down. That's going to be a major thing. The other thing you, you've got to be able to pass and get through Congress things like this Keystone pipeline to where it's just not um, things that, that Trump executive was only order, able to yeah. executive order. We've got to make sure that we put into law and then we've got to start limiting the federal government. We've got to start lowering, getting rid of some of these old regulations. And then we've got to just make people look and be responsible for themselves. It's just an individual responsibility. Um, now, yeah, I've got a few pet that, things that I'd like to see done too. I think litigation is, is huge. That's a, that's a huge problem right now and it's getting worse. What do you mean? Until we get hyper litigation, people getting sued all the time. Oh yeah. Nuclear, nuclear verdicts, everything until you get some true tort reform. I mean, and it's getting way in the weeds, but until you get true tort reform, you're going to continue to see these runaway verdicts and you're going to see insurance be a very tough issue for for small businesses. And and that needs to be addressed. That that was on Trump's hit list. He just didn't have the people at the time to do that. You know, obviously, um, higher education costs and debt are a huge issue. A lot of people want their debt to just be erased. It seems to me that the cause of the debt is the fact that the government's willing to spend so much on tuition. I mean, we saw tuition costs rise dramatically in the last 50 years in the United States. I mean, there was a time when you could be a waiter or a waitress and you could pay your way through college and not have debt when you were done. And so, you know, it seems to me that if if that is the case, then the real solution is to cut off federal funding for tuition and loans. But that's a that's like a that's like a like a political suicide to do something like that, right? I mean, you just get totally raked through the coals if you if you cut off uh, uh, I don't any sort of like so. funding or lending. You don't think so? You think you get away with it? No. Yeah. Yeah, I think you need to go to private funding for for colleges. Yeah, it, yeah, the other thing the other thing you need to do is get out of this mentality that everybody deserves to go to college. Right. Not deserve. What does deserves to go to college? 
it should right. be an option, an option along with technical school. My goodness, look at the shortages and the, the needs in technical school. And just because you go learn a, a technical school trade, man, I got plenty of buddies. Uh, whoo, they've, they've earned a whole lot of money. Oh, they've done sure. well. And what they and it doesn't mean you don't own your own business and you're not an entrepreneur. It's just a different route. But, you know, this theory that everybody's got to go to college and then you've got all these liberal arts degrees uh, that won't get you anything. It certainly won't get you a job. You're just putting people through four years of something. And then when they get out to the end, they don't really know what they're going to do anyway. That, that to me, has been a bigger problem. The federal government getting into the loan business is a problem. But, mm -hmm. but we just need to encourage people to get back into the high school side of the economics or the shop class and, and see if that might be a, an avenue for them. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and maybe, maybe one solution is, and I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, but maybe one solution is that uh, federal funding or lo or lending for education is, is variable based on what, what major you pursue, right? So if the United States for some reason needs engineers, then Hey, if you want to, if you study engineering, then we'll, we'll help you out more than if you study basket weaving. Right. And so I don't know if that's, a, if that's practical or not. I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a layman here. And, but I'm just it seems to me that there's creative market. ways to solve it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a free market guy. If 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 you can keep the federal government out of my life, it's best. And and that's in anything you do. If you start to lean and depend on the federal government for anything, then eventually that's going to be you go to. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and that's just not me. That's just not who I was made to be. And uh, so I always, uh, goodness, here I want to go up there and join, but I, I'm skeptical of anything they do. I just soon so, go up there. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, said, Mike, well, what would be the first thing you want to do when you go to Congress? Honestly, I'd like to go up there and turn the lights off, close the door, and then we all go home. <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've I done promise enough. if I'm elected, I'll do absolutely nothing. <laughs> Put the shovel <laughs> down. Imagine. You've dug enough. You know? It's right, time to stop. Right. And dug our way all the way to China. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so i want to ask you a little bit because i started i started I have, I have an advertising business and i started my business in 2016 and i remember in the beginning there were there were months where it was like terrifying i did you ever have that experience as a small business owner where you're just like laying awake at night like how the hell am i going to make this work number of times you go home on friday yeah. night and you made the payroll but you didn't get paid yeah yeah there's, there's, there's been a, and, and the thing is, and my dad always told me, he said, son, you, you, you can make all the money in the world, but if, if it's sitting in receivables and it ain't in the checkbook, you can go broke quick. And yeah. sure. You, you, you know, that, that cash is keen. And, uh, yeah, there's been a number of nights, man. You're sitting there wondering, did I make the right call? Did I make the right move? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so I mean, yeah, yeah, but we worked our way through it. Well, and when, when people talk about, you know, raising corporate tax rates, I think everybody in their head imagines like taxes on Amazon or Google or Facebook or one of these giant companies that's just, you know, very, very cash rich. And I don't think they realize that the vast majority of corporations are LLCs or incorporated, just small inks, you know, sole proprietors. And the amount of 
discomfort or risk you have to put yourself in in order to start something new is another level of stress beyond the you know the sort of typical stress that you have as an employee and i've been an employee and i've been i've worked for myself and i've had employees and that it's it's another level of stress i wouldn't trade it for the world because i value the freedom that comes with it i always say that i you know i get to choose which 20 hours a day i work right and that's why i like it so so um uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm just kind of built that way. I have that disposition, but I, I, I really wish that as a culture, we still had an understanding and an appreciation for that the blue collar man, you know, that that's that's a small business owner, and that these corporate income, ta- these corporate tax hikes impact that person because these major corporations they they find the loopholes, they don't care, they work around it. They, they offshore their money. But when you, you know, when you're a small business owner and you're just, you know, trying to find a way to bring home 10 grand in a month or something, it's like, and you're getting hit with 36, 30% tax. That's a big deal. You know, I always tell my you wife, are, you know, it's like, if you, if you want to buy something for five grand, you got to make 10, you know, <laughs> you, you are singing my song. You know, you, you can take what you just said and, and in a small business, especially a small business is trying to grow. And they, their cash is, is there, but it's not a lot of cash, but you have, you have income that's not really able to be shown as far as dollars and cents. It's on the books. Right. And then, then when you raise that inch, that, that tax rate, like what they did today, and now they're talking about going back and making it retroactive to April, you really don't have that cash sitting there. Okay, so now you don't have the cash. So what's your options? You're going to go to the bank to get a loan, right? You can use. So I need a, I need an asset based loan. I need I need a line of credit. Today's world with everything from Dodd Frank, what's left of it, and it, God, I wish I hadn't said that because the Democrats want to put it back in force, full force, even back to Sarbanes Oxley. You look at the amount of paperwork you have to fill out. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a small business person. And you're out there working hard every day, in and out every day. You don't have time. You don't have that army of accountants like you were talking about with the large corporations. That's all they do. You've got to do that at night. And then you've got to figure out what it is they want. And then by the time you turn that in, it's over 90 days. And, oh, guess what? we got to start over again because now your paperwork's all. That's the type of mess that is hampering and just squeezing on these small businesses. And that's the type of mess that I'm going to go up there and I'm going to fix. Because you're right. This country was built on small business. And, and the, the, do you realize in the trucking industry what the average trucking company is truck-wise? 98% of the trucking companies. How many trucks? I would, well, I'm going to say, because I kind of see where you're going, I'm going to say three. 98% of them are 10 trucks or less. 95% are five trucks or less. Those those big mega JB hunts of the world that you see riding them down, yeah. they make a CEOs driving the truck. Yeah, <laughs> they make up less than two percent of the total trucking industry. It is the small mom and pop people out there that make this country work, and they are the ones that got hammered today. They're the ones that got hammered when Biden cut that Keystone pipeline off and raised their fuel prices. They're the ones that are getting hammered because your milk is now $5 a gallon. And yep. they're the ones that need help. And by golly, we're going up there and that's what we're looking to do. 
Well, and I think it, it feels different too. If you're an employee and your taxes are automatically withheld, it's a much different feeling than writing quarterly checks. You know, because you've been looking at that money, you've been looking at that money in your bank, and you have it in the you know the savings account because you know it's taxes. You, you know, if you're doing if you're being responsible, but it's you know it's painful. I mean, I wrote a I wrote a check, and this is this this isn't that much money to, to many people, but to me it was a lot. I wrote a check for thirty thousand dollars in income tax. And that's, yeah. you know, that's like writing that kind of a check. It's like, that's a, that's a new Beamer, man. <laughs> like That's what I was going to say. That, that you can ride that's, by that's the That's one year for my kid in college. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. There's, there's my taxes. It's sitting over in the lot, you know? Yeah. I yeah. agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. And the other thing about the social security side of it, you know, you take somebody, even my age and, I, and I'm 54, so I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. We never talk about social security because we don't even think it's going to be there. You know, and, and and you're so used to not really seeing it in your paycheck anyway, so you don't really count it. You don't you don't think, oh well, I'm paying you know whatever thirty dollars a week towards whatever. You don't even think about that. So you're right. And and but at the end of the day, you know, nobody's nobody my age or younger is probably even looking at Social Security to be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's just amazing what you could do with that money if you just put it in a uh, index five hundred. It would be so much more than whatever the payouts are going to be. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, that's, that's that's a high risk, high yield situation, though. It's, it's like playing the slots, man. Only 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 play with what you're willing to lose. Uh, yeah, going to the craps table. Yeah, absolutely. So, I like how we talked about you know running in 2014, running again in 2020. Here, what it was like to be, um, you know, a small business owner and struggle. I really want to touch on that because I don't think you know people realize that the heart and soul that goes into it. Um, what do you think our country is going to look like in 10 years? I think that a lot of the, the midterm elections will, will change the focus of this country because right now, if we stayed on course of what we're doing, then I think you're going to have a true federal intrusion into every part, part, part of your life. But with the amount of people that I see waking up today and wanting to help and, and move the needle, I think, and then we get Trump or somebody in that position that understands how much we need this thing run like a business. I think in 10 years from now, we could be blowing and going. We, we could be just wide open again. The, the other big thing, that I like to tell people is Chase, it's, it's so hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. You take the last four years, a lot of people coming in through that door that are saying I'm here for the first time. They may not really know what's going on. They may not really understand what's happened. They, they know they're paying more for gas. They know they're paying more for their groceries, but they really don't have a true end because they've never fooled with it. But right. they do know what it felt like three years ago when they get home. And they say, honey, you want to go out to eat? Yeah. And you go out to eat and you see lines of people. And then you see people buying new cars, going on vacation, buying houses. That's that's what Trump always said that you'd never get tired of. And that's yep. winning. And man, they were winning. Every All of us were employees and employers. And you yep. look at it today. I'm telling you, people want that back. Mm -hmm. You can even take that down to Cuba. Those people got a little taste of it. Mm -hmm. They're more Americans in Cuba want... than Portland. 
So, yeah, yeah, probably. You, you know, Kylie, don't get me started. You, what is the deal with this? Now, we are a nation of laws, if I remember right. Yeah. And here we have whole blo blocks of cities out there that are being run by these thugs. Now, yep. why do we not take care of that using our current law? If we don't, if we're going to become a mob rule, it really doesn't matter what they do up there in Washington. Right. Well, the reason you need a government is to protect the individual rights from the mob. That's the whole point of government. It's, it's a third party that can protect individual rights from a mob. It's from straight from John Locke, second Theresa government. This is the foundation of our whole entire government. And if the government doesn't honor that duty, that's when the people are supposed to, you know, take matters into their Rise own hands. Rise up and replace them. Yep. Right. And so, you know, there's right now we're in a position in the United States where we can do that peacefully and legally and aggressively if we get some consensus on our side and rally, we can replace these people that allowed it to happen. And, you know, I voted for Trump both times enthusiastically. I love Trump. I disagree with a lot of things he said, a lot of things he did. But generally speaking, I like him because everybody I hate hates him. And, <laughs> and the fact of the matter is I was disappointed in, in how, he, how he led last year. And I know that it was difficult because it was an election year. And, you know, if he did anything controversial, like really hammering down on these cities, it would have looked, looked tyrannical. I don't know. It would have looked racist. And I think that he held back thinking, I'll be able to take care of it after the election. And the lesson that I learned from that is you just have, you have to lead the whole time. You can't put leadership on pause for an election. You know, well, I think he did a little you, bit. You had uh, Fauci. That, that blame Fauci reminds me of a squirrel crossing the it's road. He's like a mouse. And yeah. He, he's running over here, then over there, then over here, back over there. He don't know which way. And, and usually those type rodents, they get run over. And it gets mm. squished at some point. But uh, we, we've we got a great opportunity this time around, and we're going to take it. I, I, wow. I can feel it coming. There's a huge momentum. There's a huge momentum that we've seen behind us, and, and that's been really neat as well to see the amount of people that come out. Um, I'm not going to say that sometimes I don't get fired up. And I tell folks every night if I say a bad word, I just point at my wife. She taught me all those bad words that, that <laughs> come <true>. natural. <laughs> So where can people find you to support you? <laughs> you know, please do go. They can go to MikeCollinsGA.com and, and okay. you can use MikeCollinsGA and you can go all across all the social platforms from Rumble to, to YouTube, to, to Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we post stuff all the time. We put uh, videos out there. Uh, today was a twofer uh, video. I did two videos. Today. I was dead blame fed up with some things that I saw. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, I'd love for them to go check us out because I, I encourage people no matter where you're at in this country and no matter what you do, look to see who is running for everything. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even care if it's your homeowners association, because if you think about your homeowners association, they're the people who won't let you fly your flag. Yep. So. You need to be looking at homeowners associations, city council, board of education, mayors, state races, all the way up to the president of the United States. And, and if you don't have partisan elections, I encourage you, you need to go back to partisan politics in elections because these beauty contests, they're not working. And, no, and nobody's exactly a, looking. Well, 
Hey, look at this big old block here. <laughs> There's like three good-looking people in Congress. Rand Paul, I, I Mitch can... McConnell, and Nancy Pelosi, like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we need to know where these people stand. From a, from a basic standpoint, are you on the team right. of less government, more individual responsibility? Are you on the team of big government? We'll take care of everything. And then you need to get involved. And we tell people every day, get involved. You may not be the candidate. You may be a candidate. You may be helping fundraising, poll watching, whatever it is. But get involved and and check us out as well, because there's a lot of folks running in this race I'm in. Check us all out. And then if you can help support us, I'd love to have you support. If you're living in the 10th District of Georgia, I want you to vote. Because uh, by God, I'm telling you, y'all send me to Washington. Man, we can fix these problems. And then we'll, we'll, we'll take our country back. And then term limit myself for six years, I'll come on back to Georgia. You know, I'm kind of like the old SEC football, man. You get four years of college football, and it's time to go. Yeah. There'll be somebody else come along. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's, there's good people coming along. Well, so. thank you so much for coming on the show. It's really been an honor and a pleasure to have you. I appreciate the time. I sure do. I've enjoyed it. You ever get over here to Georgia now, we'll get you some real barbecue. I'll come see you. <laughs>